Hello and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hainer. I'm an international business coach, a recognized global expert on leadership and visibility, and I designed this podcast for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that you can implement in order to accelerate your success and build your own brand you. We also publish exclusive material, offers and behind the scenes content in our Building Brand You Facebook group. And if you'd like to find out more about our Building Brand You coaching programs, you can book a free 20 minute call with me where we'll explore where you are and whether Building Brand You coaching is the right fit for you. You'll find both of those links, as well as many others, in the show notes. So let's unlock this episode and lift the lid on what's next in Building Brand You. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this feature-length episode of Building Brand You. Today, I am delighted to welcome Fong Shua. Based in Edmonton in Canada, Fong is an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and three times best-selling author. He has successfully unlocked many of his clients' potential, demonstrating how they can achieve more than they had ever thought possible. Fong has inspired and brought to reality authors, entrepreneurs, and speakers, coming up with branding, marketing, and positioning strategies that increase his clients' businesses and exposure. Working on his clients' networking, relationship building, and public speaking skills is what Fong does best. You can also find Fong on his podcast, The Peak Potential Success Show, and on his weekly video series, Make More Mind Bites, on his YouTube channel. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Fong Shua. So, hello, Fong. How are you today? Hey, I've been good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was my pleasure, um, particularly as you were generous enough to have me on um, your Peak Performance Success Show uh, a few weeks back and um, just went live last week. So it was, it was my duty to pod swap with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. You, you gave a lot of great value, a lot of great tip, t- uh, tips on branding. And um, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot and I couldn't wait to talk to you again. So um, I'm excited. Brilliant. Good. Well, I'm excited too. On your show, we actually talked about the fact that we have been in the same circles for a number of years, but we have been like passing ships in the night and have somehow never really sort of connected properly until recently and I appeared on your show. So I'm not going to tell listeners about who you are. Um, What I like to do with building brand new guests is actually pass the microphone over to you and for you to tell us who's Feng Shui, what what are you all about? All right, look, deep breath. (laughs) Um, I was uh, born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta. A uh, very traditional Chinese family where I was taught to find a good job, work in that job for the rest of my life kind of thing for like a 40 year career kind of thing. And uh, I was told that business sense is not strong for me and creativity was not strong for me. So um, they go, hey, why don't you go into uh, engineering? I'm like, OK, since that's what everybody's telling me to go into, that's what I'll do. 
So I got into engineering. I, I finished that very successfully and then got a job. And I go, okay. So by 2005, I, got, I was telling myself, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I'm set. I'm good. This is going to be 40 years for the rest of my life. Until, well, in Edmonton, Alberta, in our province, we're, our economy is very, very tied to the oil and gas. So when oil and gas goes up and down, up and down, that's when our economy goes up and down, real estate goes up and down. And sure enough, our company at the time was up to, I think, about 800 some people, and they laid off all the way down to 100 some. So I was one of those people that was told that, okay, you're going to be laid off on this date and just be prepared for it. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's nice. So, so much for playing this for the 40, my, 40 years of my life. So then that's when my, my girlfriend at the time and now wife said that, okay, let's go do something different. Uh, let's go protect ourselves and not follow what all the other engineers do, where they go back to school and they go do graduate studies and they learn something more advanced. We actually went a completely different route and go, okay, what if, engineering doesn't work out in the future, what else can we rely on? So we, we picked up our very first Rich Dad Poor Dad book, like many uh, other investors and entrepreneurs out there. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners would be able to relate to this. You pick that first book up and all of a sudden you have a whole library of purple books. And then you're, and then you're signing up for webinars and seminars and three-day boot camps and all that kind of stuff. So that's how we got started in this whole thing. And we go, okay, let's look into real estate. So we started buying real estate. Um, but what we realized was we were missing, we were missing a piece. As technical savvy as we were, because we're engineers, we were able to do numbers and all that kind of stuff, we were still missing something. We didn't have the support around us. We didn't have the, uh, the, the guidance and the family and friends who are able to tell us, oh, this is good, this isn't good, this is bad or whatever. Uh, none of them had business uh, sense and none of them really had any real estate investment background. So we we're kind of on our own. And our first real estate venture, we were, shot, like, we were freaked out of our minds by putting out an offer. We were scared that was actually get accepted. So that's when we realized, okay, we're missing something. <laughs> In retrospect, you're scared your offer gets accepted. Yeah, yeah that no, tells like, you something, right? <laughs> it, we were already pretty low on our offer too, right? So in retrospect, if that offer went through, I'm like, oh, that would have been great. We could sell it right away and still make money. But at the time we were, I couldn't sleep that night. And sure enough, they didn't even counter offer. They just let us go. So <laughs> So from there, uh, we realized we, we were missing a coach. So we joined a few groups and uh, started networking more and build more relationships. And we hired a business coach and a real estate coach to kind of help us along. And within that period of time, we kind of accumulated from zero properties up to about 23, 24 properties, um, over 30 some units that we were able to manage ourselves or with a property manager kind of thing. So we were building that portfolio and then we realized, oh wow, look at this brand new world. There's real estate, there's business. Look at all these people so geared up and driven to succeed and all kinds of stuff. And we look back and when we go back to our full-time jobs, everybody's kind of in, in their cubicles working away. I'm like, this is completely two different worlds. So then we were excited with learning a lot of stuff from exempt markets to infinite banking with insurance to uh, gold and silver to network marketing. We, we, were, we were just drinking at all of it. So then when people come and ask us, so what exactly do you do? Our talks are a good three hours long. We're talking about real estate. We're talking about um, infinite banking. We're talking about exam markets, all that stuff. And then nothing about engineering. And then my, my, my coach at the time goes, well, that isn't very effective use of your time. I'm like, well, but that's what I like. I like telling people all this stuff. 
And he goes, why didn't you write your first book? I'm like, oh, okay. That sounds like an interesting idea. I'm like, first of all, who am I to write a book? Who is going to read my book? And uh, that person over there is, is already successful and they don't have a book. Why am I writing a book kind of thing? So there's all this limiting beliefs and all that kind of stuff. And at the time, he gave me these wonderful phrases. And they are, one, well, you can't expect everybody to read your book. So focus on the people that actually would care. And two, if you have a message to share, do you speak on stages? Do you speak to other people? If you're willing to speak, why can't you write a book? I'm like, that's true. And then thirdly, uh, over the last 100 years, nothing new has been written, but your voice hasn't been heard. And therefore, every moment that your voice is not being heard is every moment that your message is not being heard by your followers, your clients, your, your fans. I'm like, ah, that's a completely different perspective. So that's how we started writing our first book. And within that period of time, lots of people go, wait a minute. I don't have enough information to write a book. I'm like, try it. Because <laughs> when we were writing our first book, we realized we had like three, four books in us. So within that first year, year and a half, we finished three books and we published them all at the same time kind of thing. So wow. there, there goes our, our book journey. And then I go, okay, coach, what's next? He goes, well, why don't you start, start actually speaking? I'm like, okay, let's speak now. He goes, why don't you come speak at my event? I'm like, great. How long do you want me to speak for? 10 minutes, five minutes? How about 15 minutes? He goes, I want you up on stage for two hours. I'm like, two hours? I haven't done this before. So I don't think I could do two hours. And he says, well, don't you do Toastmasters? I'm like, hold on. Toastmasters and speaking live on stage, it's completely two different things. I could speak at Toastmasters on whatever topic I like, and they could fall asleep for all I care, right? It's only for five minutes. And then he goes, well, what do you talk about? I talk about real estate. I talk about mindset, business, and all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Why don't you take like 10, 15 of your speeches, put them all together, put some PowerPoint together, and there's your two-hour presentation. I'm like, okay, I guess I can do that. And that's how I did my first two-hour presentation. And then from there, started doing other speaking engagements, um, either live on stages and most recently during this, these last two years um, on web webinars and seminars and whatnot uh, from, from Australia to Singapore to Nigeria, all over the place. Yeah. So then there, there goes my speaking stuff. And then I started coaching people on what I do uh, with regards to branding, marketing, also book writing, uh, real estate as well. And then also within this period of time, I was told that, hey, why don't you start a podcast? I'm like, okay, let's start a podcast. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> so that's how I started the podcast. I started doing a whole bunch of videos online. And uh, now I got over, what, 700 some videos. And oh, I'm, I'm nearing my 100th episode on my podcast. So I'm very excited about that. And yeah, so uh, kind of long, long story, kind of shorter. Yeah. There's who I am. <laughs> wow. There are like I have about seven questions going on here. So <laughs> let me just let me just see. Um, I I think um what what really strikes me in your story is your willingness to explore. So as you've branched out into all these different areas, you know, um, the real estate, uh, the books, the speaking, uh, all of the different things, have you found that you have, have taken anything from your engineering experience and how that's been applied to how you've grown? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been, I've been telling a lot of people I feel very, very lucky. Because I think that for a person who's originally left-brained, 
and very technical, very attention to detail. For them to turn on a switch and apply the right brain creativity stuff is a lot easier than the other way around. Because if you hated numbers from the beginning, it's hard to go all of a sudden, hey, I love numbers. So I, I find that because I know a lot of people who are really strong right brainers. And still to this day, it's hard for them to then go, oh, I love looking at numbers. All my accountant would take care of that. But for us, like we've been dealing with numbers for a long, long time. We could assess, uh, uh, analyze and all that kind of stuff with numbers with our left brain really focused on something. And then when we're learning other stuff with the creativity side, the business side, we start applying that stuff on top of it. So we could turn that switch on whenever we want. So I think that that's really good. And the other thing is I'm able to relate to left brainers very, very well. <laughs> right? So I can, I understand their language. I can speak very, very technical if I wanted to. So I could jump both ways if I really wanted to. And I think that's very, very advantageous when I'm working with my clients. Mm, I, I think too, there's a lot of, um, a lot of discussion about sort of left versus right brain and that it's not as polar as we think. And it mm. is possible to develop some of, if you like the other side, a bit like you've talked about. And in fact, um, some of the people I've spoken to, um, sometimes I'll, I'll seem very, very right brain, and that's probably slightly my preference, but actually catch me on another at another time, and I'm incredibly left brain. So, so I think in any of these things, whether it's left, right brain, whether it's um, any sort of psychometric profiling, it's not set in stone. There's a preference, but you do have an ability to build other muscles to counterbalance or, or complement um, your, your natural strength, I think. So tell me a little bit um, about uh, building your property portfolio. That's, that's an incredible um, amount of um, property. And I'm sure there are listeners out there who, you, you know, they may own their own home or they may be early in their, in their property uh, journey just you know how tell us about how you kind of embrace that and some of the the things that were instrumental in you building that portfolio well first of all you have to surround yourself with the people who's doing it and understands that industry uh, time and time again I hear people go well it's too hard you can't get more than five properties or uh, what if the offer goes through what if that that this what if that well, all that, all that what ifing is stopping people from actually pursuing forward. And they don't ask the people that are actually doing it and successful at it as to how they do it. So then they don't mitigate those risks. Uh, one of the most common things that I hear is that you can't get more than five properties, but that's not true. That's what the banks tell you. They tell you, yeah, you, once you qualify for five properties, you can't go further than that. Well, that's because most people go to our, the big five banks for any kind of financing. But if you find a, a mortgage broker whose job it is to help you get financing, well, they get more options out there. It's not just the main five banks. There's also other B lenders, C lenders, whatever it is that fits your profile, that fits what you need, right? So right away, just working with a property manager, a mortgage broker alone, opens up the possibilities of more than five properties. Then the next thing is, well, what if, uh, what if the tenants do this? What if the tenants do that? And what if this and what if that? And I don't want to wake up at four in the morning. Well, I don't do any of that stuff. It's really how do you manage your tenants and how do you have that support team around you? My contractors, my plumber, my whatever it is that I could have on call or contact if need be and have them deal with all that stuff. And But then I also train all my tenants to never really call me. They can only text message me. 
Mm. So when they text message me, I have everything written. I'm, I can plan my responses before I actually get back to them so that I don't get caught off guard. Um, another thing that I usually hear is, well, it's too scary. Once I put out that offer, I'm committed. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> right? You can, you, you, found can out. Offers, you can put offers all the time and it doesn't really matter. Right. So for instance, you once you put out that offer, even if it was accepted, there's still another 10, 15 days for you to do your due diligence and still say, no, I don't want it. But you don't get a chance to say no if you don't put out the offer. So all those misconceptions of not doing something because of something else, well, you need to find out what the actual process is before you go, okay, that's not for me. Hence, I, I recommend a lot of my clients, you know what, just put an offer. Go through the process first and understand how that works so that when you are actually ready to buy a property, you're you already gone through the experience, right? You know what to expect, yeah. right? Uh, like on top of that, you've already worked with a realtor to understand how the realtor works when the time comes that you're really, really ready. Yeah. And if yeah. you weren't ready and all of a sudden a great property pops up, oh, great, that's bonus, right? But you've yeah. taken action right away. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something in what you say about um, sort of don't wait to be perfect. You know, there's something in saying you are building a muscle and what you said as well about having a coach being around people who've done this, who are successful at it, who can say to you, now, you know, if you just build the muscle this way, then, you know, you're building it in the right way. You know, it's not practice makes perfect, it's sort of perfect practice. So if we think about small steps and, and thinking, okay, we're thinking about, you know, the offer gets accepted and we haven't even gone in and had the discussion with the realtor yet, sort of thing, you know, and, it, and you're right, it stops us because there's a lot of what ifing that goes on yeah well uh, just to piggyback on that like a lot of people don't realize that that's how they uh, that's how they achieve certain skill sets and certain success at, already mm. nobody's sitting here and reading the manual on how to ride a bike or drive a car yeah. and expect to be perfect and then jump in a car and go right yeah. there's yeah. always that practicing there's always the finding that driving coach yeah. Right. Having them yeah. tell you, having them step on their brakes for many, many times before you're actually ready to go. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> My mom taught me to drive. She didn't have the advantage of brakes uh, on the other side of the car. So, so. So I'm assuming that handle is <laughs> gone already. Right? Yeah, that, yeah. that handle. Yeah. At the top there. I, I thought I was quite sedate, you know, <laughs> she probably didn't think so. Um, the other thing that really occurs to me is you were, you were talking about that. And I imagine you apply this in all sorts of other areas of your, your business and maybe even your life is the systems and processes, which um, really comes from that grounding in engineering and looking at processes and systems, because it's not quite natural for a lot of people to break things down and think about how do I systematize this? How do I take myself out of this equation? And um, no matter whether we're just starting out or, you know, we've grown a, a, a certain size of business, in order for us to grow more, we have to understand how we can remove ourselves from the things that are not as valuable in terms of investing our time. So as you said, you've got all your replies kind of ready to go. So you, you're not spending time drafting those. You've got them sort of ready, ready to go. Do you see that sort of all over the place in life as well as business? Well, yeah, for sure. Like for instance, when, when people write up a 
here, here's an example. When people go and find a job, I'm pretty sure that they don't retype that cover letter every single time, right? So when you're looking for a job, you've already systemized your process. You write a generic one and you just kind of swap out certain keywords so that it applies to that job and that individual and you send that out. Well, same thing for like finding tenants or screening tenants or uh, hiring somebody or working with a partner or whatnot. You have stuff already done once. It's, a, it's that very first time that's probably more difficult. However, that first time, guess what? You have people that you can ask. You go, hey, do you have a template already done? Or hey, do you have something that's already drafted that I could use as a reference? Then you can kind of uh, copy and paste and all that kind of stuff with their approval, of course, and then kind of make it your own. Mm. So you don't ever have to start from scratch, mm. right? You can always talk to other people who's already done it, who already has systems, and you kind of tweak it to fit what your needs are and what works best for you. And that's mm. what I've done with all my real estate stuff, uh, book writing. Like once you finish writing that first book, it's already systemized. Like you know what's going to come next. You know what segment you're going to have to do. You know how to do it and all that kind of stuff. And just rinse and repeat. Mm. Uh, same with events. And this is something that I that caught me off guard. Um, I used to I used to do a few uh, events for the Lions Club, and they they were one of those people that did event every single year. Mm. And I did it for four years in a row. And at the very first time I'd done it, I'm like, okay, so what's your what's your template? And they didn't have one. I'm like, wait a minute, you've done this forever. Where's the last one? Where's the other agenda? Let's let me see that you don't have it. Ah, like, oh, jeez. So that first one was, was was like it took me so long just to get everything planned out. But then they go, oh, do you want to do a second year? I'm like, sure, no problem. It's done. I just grabbed last year's, changed the dates, replaced the entertainment, and I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. So it it makes it a lot easier when you have stuff already done once and you just kind of rinse and repeat. So it, it applies to everything. Mm. Yeah, um, what I think that's really interesting because I'm a big fan of what I call a content distillery. So, mm -hmm. you know, you put all your templates and your content in one place and then you repurpose it as you move around. Um, but there's a lot of people who say who or who feel that they have to, um, I guess, develop something new, brand new all the time. Uh, so is that something that comes up, um, you know, with your clients, with people you coach? Um, and if it does, how, how do you approach that? Well, new things all the time is, is great, just to keep yourself motivated, I find, to keep yourself excited so that you're challenged and you're also being able to find out different things that you can apply and help and uh, make things fun again, right? Mm. So, however, you have to have the system stuff and the background stuff down pat right and only then are you able to start adding stuff on top of it making it better um there's a lot of interviews i've seen with actors who are sure that they have their parts down down packed they're perfected all that before they could add it yeah yes before, before they could add some other stuff to it to make it more fun for them and then more often than not it's those other stuff that gets kept in the movie yeah so for for myself uh, let's say if I'm coaching somebody, I have to make sure that I know how I'm going to coach them. And then after a while, I'm going, okay, wait a minute. I can make this more interesting by doing this or adding this or challenging with this. Mm. And by, by doing that, it makes them feel more uh, excited as well because you're excited, mm. right? So it's always nice to add new things. And then you could take out old stuff that are no longer as effective. Mm. And then that new thing becomes your standard. 
yes. and you add something else and you add something yeah. else right yeah yeah yeah, perfect. Uh, I, and it's just really interesting when you work in the, um, particularly in the visibility and the social media space as well. Um, there's a lot of um, concern about I don't have enough to say. A bit like you said about the book, which will come, the book, which I'll come on to in a minute. I don't have enough to say. It was it was my biggest thing before I started the podcast, and we talked about it on your show. That you know when I first started out, it was a test, and I kind of went, I don't even know whether I have a different point of view. I don't want it to be another marketing podcast, and I don't know whether I have enough to say. Like all the things you talked about about why people don't write books. Um, and then after the podcast, you said, you know, you've, you've got three seasons of a podcast, you know, there's a book there at least. <laughs> so it was pointing that out that made me think, uh-huh, perhaps there's something in what he says and maybe he'd be willing to come on Building Brand You and tell us a bit more about it. So, so let's talk a little bit more. Um, there's so much to talk about, but let's talk a little bit more about um, you know, writing a book. Now you've written several books. How many have you actually written? I have seven out. Um, my eighth one's almost done. Just waiting for a few people to approve something and then I'm good to go. So how, how did you set yourself up to do that, to set yourself up for success in doing that? Tell, tell us a little bit about where you started. I guess, first of all, uh, when, you, when you put money into a program and you don't want to waste that money, you, you tend to want to get it done. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. our very first book, we had a, a coach that kind of coached us along as to how to do it. Um, it's a very, uh, very great program that allowed us to have great instructions and do everything um, to, 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 their, to their liking. So then from there, um, there was a lot of stuff that we kind of added ourselves um, to simplify it, to make it look better, to make it easier and all kinds of stuff. And then as we were doing that first book, we realized, oh, we have a second and a third book. And we started kind of perfecting that method for ourselves. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that we found out, hey, it's not as hard as you think. And secondly, if you have any questions, you could always ask. But if you don't have anybody ask, grab a book from your bookshelf and look, use that as a template. So when you go, well, I don't know what sections I need in my book. Well, grab a book from the bookcase and goes, okay, they have this, this, and this. Okay, I would add this, this, and this into mine. And you grab a second or third book and see what they have. Oh, they have this and this that this one didn't have. I could put that in here too, mm. right? And then some people go, well, how do I format it? Well, I literally, I literally took one book and go, took out my ruler and go, okay, this is the margin and all I can say. So then I use all that and I, I template it on my Word doc and that's how I create my Word document. Wow. So sometimes it's your the answer is already there. You just have to go out and ask for it or find out for your own for yourself. Yeah. And if you really want to, I'm sure if you search online right now on Mr. Google, you could find all that stuff too, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of you having again asking all these questions to yourself and telling yourself you couldn't do it, that you stop and don't even ask Google for help. Mm, yeah, I, I, really interesting. Uh, my mom actually published her memoir last year um, and had went through a course and a speaking coach to help her do that. But interestingly, um, now she's done that one, she's already working on the second one because she's got the <laughs> framework in mind. Yeah. It's a bit like you said, once you, you do it once. Hmm. So do you think it's a different uh, framework depending on the kind of book you want to write? So yours are business books, is that right? Yeah, remember yeah so it, it is, I find the easiest books to write is the hmm. how-tos. Yeah. Okay. okay. So for instance, the very first book I wrote um, is basically how do you set up your financial foundation? 
Okay. And when I told you at the very beginning that, oh, we were looking into exempt markets, gold and silver and all that kind of stuff. I also mentioned that I spoke to like family and friends for three hours about all this stuff. Well, literally, I just imagined talking to another person and typed everything out for my first book. Okay. Because we had a, basically our first book is the introduction to all the stuff that we were doing from right. real estate to uh, IBC to in uh, exact markets, all that kind of stuff, which is stuff I talked to other people already. So if I'm already talking about all that stuff, how hard is it to actually just type what I was talking about? Yeah. So then that was our first book. Our second book was, okay, if I wanted to show somebody exactly step-by-step step how to find an investment property and then manage it, that, how many steps started there? Are there 12 steps? Okay, can I talk 15, 20 minutes per step? If I can, that's, that's uh, enough content per chapter for 12 steps. Mm. And then our second book is basically a how-to on buying real estate property and then maintaining that. And then the third book, we were sitting there going, wait a minute. We have a lot of great people around us. We have a power team of a realtor, a lawyer, a mortgage broker. Why don't we just interview them? And now they have a chapter per book. So then our third book was a collaboration of our team's expertise plus our expertise into that book, right? And it made it a lot easier to fill out content. So we have a few other books like that. We have a communications book, which is something that I, I teach a lot of people how to speak and how to put speeches and presentations together. Mm. And same thing. That's how I did that book. Yeah. Um, our fourth book was based on a, door, uh, a dare. Somebody goes, um, how fast do you think can you finish a book? I'm like, well, if I really put my mind to it, maybe a month and sure enough they go well show me i'm like okay give me a month yeah. and what i did was i took a 20-minute presentation that i was preparing for a talk and i took that 20-minute presentation and i wrote it up and that was that that fourth book yeah. um and then same for a few other things i was doing a course and by creating that course i used that course for content for the book and that took me about i think it was 10 days to write and then our seventh book was a kid's book for our daughter. So, ah. <laughs> which, which actually took the longest out of all of them. I was going to say, did that t how was that? Was that kind of like, because you, 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 it feels like you've got a bit of a, a, a process going there yeah. with, with the, the books. And then all of a sudden you're writing about something. It was completely different. Yeah. Uh, really out of my hands though. Okay. So for instance, all the other stuff was completely in my control right? I control timeline. I control how much I'm going to write and all that kind of stuff. When it came to the kids book, we were sitting there uh, and reading a bedtime story. And one after I'm like, these are what, five pages long with maybe 20 words in it. How hard is it to do this kind of thing? And my wife and I go, well, let's, let's try it ourselves. Uh, now, I'm not saying our, our book is amazingly good compared to some of those other ones, but we're just thinking, hey, let's, let's challenge ourselves and see what this process is like. So we wrote a storyline within two hours uh, based on our, our daughter as the main character. And then after two hours, like, okay, we have a, a, a story done. Then we had to find a, an illustrator, test out an illustrator. And really for the next maybe eight months, it's going back and forth storyboarding and getting the, the characters right and all that kind of stuff. So that took the longest time. Wow. And our goal was, hey, wouldn't it be neat for this book to arrive uh, before her first birthday? And it actually arrived on our doorstep 8 p.m. the night before. Oh, amazing. Like, yes. <laughs> amazing. And what did she think of it? Ah, well, she's chews on it. I was going to say she <laughs> ate it, right? 
<laughs> That's why she only has the proof copy. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are you but, saving? What are you saving the real copy for? <laughs> uh, I'm saving it for for her when she goes to school and has a show and tell or a. Uh, for Halloween, she could dress up as the character or something like that. That's oh, what I. That's what I'm envisioning. But who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah but it was yeah. a great process because then now I was able to coach other people. Like I've been coaching two or three other moms to write their own storybooks for their kids. Yeah. And they've had a blast. Now they have books in their libraries. They've been able to do talks at their schools and do presentations and all that kind of stuff. So it's been it's it's added another tool into my toolbox to be able to coach. So it's been yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet it has. And are there any other um, daughter adventures um, coming soon? Do I, I don't know. We, we left it open. <laughs> we left it open. We said another Kate adventure on there. So we'll see what happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> so everybody will be around going, where, where are the other ones? <laughs> Maybe you'll, I, I hear of people who've kind of sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of things before they're even made it. So maybe, maybe that'll be you. Maybe that's another we'll dare to take on. We'll, we'll pass that brand to her and she can build oh, it when she gets older. Lovely. What a <laughs> lovely legacy. What an amazing legacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's also fun. Yeah. So um, when uh, you're uh, writing these books and creating the content, because I think that's the first place where people kind of get stuck. They kind of go, I have nothing to write. What do I do? Blah, 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 blah. So then the next step is kind of like then I've, I've written it. Um, what do I do with it? Now, you know, did, did you um, have an editor? How did you um, publish? Um, how did you advertise? Sort of what's next after you've managed to write this thing? Yeah, so after you finish writing the whole thing and you have it formatted in a book form, kind of the way you want it, uh, then we sent it to an editor. Uh, with regards to editing, we found people either from uh, like outsourcing or within the community and whatnot, and we just tested a few out before we stabilized on one or two editors that we liked. Mm. Uh, for, for my purposes, because I like my books to be very conversational, uh, I want it to be my voice. So therefore we dictate actually to our editor, I just wanna make sure that the grammar's right, the spelling's right, don't worry too much about the voice. I, I want to keep my voice, right? Now, a lot of people are so um, fixated on making sure it's perfect that it goes back and forth and back and forth with an editor five, six, seven, eight times or another, another editor comes in and that takes up a whole chunk of your time. Mm. Right? In the end, it's what you're happy with. Mm. And if you're happy with it and you read it over a few more times and you're good with it, then let it go. Yeah. And then you can do your second or third or fourth book. And as you keep on going, it's, it gets better and better and better. Yeah. Right? I'm sure that you can talk to a lot of authors out there either they're celebrity authors or uh, great business authors or whatnot, ask them about their very first book. I'm pretty sure they're not going to say it's perfect. So no. they would have been able to go back and tweak it over and over again, right? And if you do that, you're never going to get done. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah. So a lot of people that comes up to me was like, how about this? How about that? I'm like, save that for your second edition or your yeah. next one that's in the series, right? Because I'm sure you're going to have enough content. So yeah. then from there, um, we usually send it to a, a proofreader as well, somebody else that we trust to kind of go over it to make sure it's readable and something that's of value. And then after that, I read it maybe two or three more times to make sure I'm happy with it. And I'm ready to upload it to um, either the Amazon platform or another self-publishing platform that you could get it published. Okay. Right? Um, for myself, I find that it's great for you to have both the ebook version and the uh, printed copy version. And then you can upload those versions onto either one of those platforms and they do it all for free. 
they don't get paid until books actually sell off the off the website and for you you don't have to worry about storage or anything like that because people will just buy it off that uh, website and it gets printed and shipped to them so it's very very hands-free yeah yeah and did you explore the idea of going to traditional publishers at all or did you always want to go down the path of sort of the self-publishing route and what was sort of more or less attractive about each well, I was recommended to stick with the self-publishing platform because you have more control over it. Okay. And most of the money that you pay for a publisher is one for their brand and two for their advertising and their marketing. Okay. Right? Everything after that, uh, everything before that is really just you doing it anyways, right? So yeah. if you're able to go out there and uh, do speaking engagements and you promote it and all that kind of stuff, you can control the amount of talk that you do and the amount of sales that you do kind of thing, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Whereas if you go with a traditional publishing thing, um, you may not get that many, that much payback, right? You might get maybe five, six, 7% of mm. the actual sales. Yeah. Um, and if they don't do a good job promoting it, and if you don't buy the highest package for promotions, then your returns aren't going to be that high either, right? So yeah. if you yeah. can control all that, and you can, and you have your own marketing team, and you have your own promotions team. Then let them do it, and mm. you already have that client base that you know that would buy it. So then you can focus on that. Yeah, and so that leads me on to the next question, actually. So you've now got this book, and you need to promote it and get it in people's hands. So what are some of the ways that that have been really um, either great for you or that you've seen work really well for other people um, mm. in um, selling their books? getting on podcasts, getting on speaking engagements and all that kind of stuff and you're talking about it, mm. right? So um, I, I do a lot of my book sales when I go and speak on stages, right? Uh, depending on what type of topic I'm talking to, if I'm talking to a bunch of people who are interested in real estate, then I will be selling my power team book and my, my cash flow book. And if I'm talking to a whole bunch of people who are working on speaking, then I will be talking about my speaking book kind of thing, right? So that's where I get to either capture more leads or even use it as a free giveaway or whatever it is to get my name out there. Um, I want people to know who I am. I want people to uh, see the value that I have and whether they read the entire book or they have that book in their hands, they now have me in their circle kind of thing, right? They know who to go to if they need to work more on the real estate side or on the speaking side or on the mm. mindset side. Mm. Um, otherwise, social media, uh, talk and post that uh, talk about that on a consistent basis um, when you go and uh, do other speaking engagements online and whatnot you talk about your book the more you talk about your books the more you talk about what you do the more engagement you get you have quite a broad church of things that that you do um, and and this is something I think that that new entrepreneurs can often struggle with because it sort of seems like I mean for me it was a bit like you know, shiny penny syndrome. I was the magpie chasing after every shiny thing. And it wasn't until I focused that I sort of started to get some traction. Um, it, it sounds like that all of your different pieces have sort of built up a bit like layers rather than being all at, at once. Is that mm -hmm. correct? I think at the very beginning, we were kind of doing everything all at once. We yeah. were learning real estate at the same time as we were starting to do coaching, at the same time as we were getting asked to do some speaking, and at the same time we were writing books. So everything was kind of happening at the same time. Once you start kind of uh, focusing on one or two things, you realize, oh, I kind of like this aspect a little bit more, or I can get somebody else to look after this part. 
So with regards to the real estate side, well, we have a property manager so that I don't have to manage all the properties anymore, right? So, but then I personally know how to, so that when I'm finding a property manager, I know that, okay, this is a good person to have as my property manager. Uh, I, I could ask them to implement certain things that I've been implementing that I've found that's worked very well for me. So then at least I know how it's done. Yeah. Right? So then now I could put it off to somebody else. Uh, when it comes to the, uh, what do you call it, the investment side, um, whether it's the exempt markets or the uh, infinite banking stuff, well, I've got a really good grasp on that. But I also have experts who are able to be there if I need their help. Mm-hmm. So then I have that kind of on its own. Um, some of the other investments with regards to exempt markets and all kinds of stuff, we have other people looking taking care of that area because that's not an area that I want to spend too much time on. Yeah. Right. So we, we're constantly building like crypto. We're starting to learn all that stuff, but we also have crypto people that we can go, okay, you can take care of that. Okay, great. I know the basics. I trust you. Yeah. Right? So once you are, my, my passion is in the coaching and in the book writing and all that kind of stuff. So I could help other people do that aspect as well. So yeah. I spend most of my time in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what lights you up. It's the exactly. other stuff it gives you the foundation for being able to continue to do that. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. So what's coming up next for you, I, I, I sort of almost shudder to ask. There's so much going on, and you just mentioned crypto. We talked about whether there was another uh, Kate's Adventures book in the wings. Do you have a business book in the wings? Like, what, like what's next? What's next for you in your world, Paul? Well, I have a I have a branding book coming out soon, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's in the works. Uh, we I'm I'm working with uh, a another coach on building a program for book writing and collaboration with them. Uh, which I'm very, very excited with. And then also we have a platform where we're going to have a lot of courses on that platform. Uh, Also a collaboration with a partner right now that we're going to kind of synergize our abilities, our skill sets to have a platform where everybody can go to and go, oh, I want to learn about this. I want to learn about that. And they can kind of go there and download and whatnot. So that's all in the works. Um, Speaking engagements is stuff that I'm always very excited to be a part of. Hence, when you go, hey, do you want to be part of this? I'm like, yes, 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 I'll be right there. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, listeners, it was the fastest yes I think I've ever had. Uh, and <laughs> that's one thing I really want to point to throughout this whole um, conversation. What's really um, struck me is um, people say, why don't you do that? And you just go, yeah, okay, let's try it. And I absolutely love that. I think there's not enough of that in the world. Oh, yeah, a quick story about that. Yes, please. Uh, I, I almost got my foot in my mouth that one, one time. So as I said, I love being with a speak. I love being able to add value and meet people and all that kind of stuff. And I find the best way to do that is to speak. And when you speak, then people start asking you questions. They start uh, uh, friending you on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. You start building relationships. So most likely when people, hey, do you want to come speak? I'm like, yes. And I give it very, very little thought as to what it is and all that kind of stuff. So this one group uh, came up and goes, hey, do you want to speak? I'm like, yes. And then my first question is, when do you want me and how long do you want me for? He goes, this, this, and this. I'm like, yes, 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 no problem. And then they go, "Um, so uh, are you okay with this? I'm like, yes, are you okay with this? I'm like, yes, okay. All that stuff is taken care of. And then I asked the question I probably should have asked at the very beginning, which is, what is this conference all about? And then they go, well, it's on water, water conservation and uh, rainwater harvesting. I'm like, I know nothing about that. I'm like, I already said yes, so I'll figure it out. So the thing is, yeah, when you say yes to something, you'll eventually figure it out. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, it's like, like I said, I've done speaking presentations before, took a few of my slides, 
replace certain things to relate to rainwater and water conservation, all that kind of stuff. And it fits. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, when you're talking about mindset, it's pretty easy to kind of mold that to any topic. So um, yeah, it worked yeah. out very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, lucky. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so there's um, the the coaching, the platform for all the programs, speaking gigs, um, book. You know, if you want to write a book, people, you might want to get in touch with Fong. All his details will be in the show notes. So, Fong, we've been like we have just been all over the place today. It's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you. And um, I was wondering, out of all of what we've talked about today, what is there some nugget or some piece of advice that you could leave with building brand new listeners for them to take away today and implement? Okay. I'll give, I'll give two things. Oh, well, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to prolong this as much as I can. Okay. So I'll, give, I'll give two <laughs> nuggets. Uh, one is something I've kind of talked to before. And that is if you ever want to do something, there's usually somebody out there who's either already done it or is doing one version of it and is already succeeded in it. And therefore go and search for those people. And you may not be able to reach the top of the top of those people, but you might be able to reach those people who's already kind of worked hard on it and been successful at it and they're still growing. So kind of build your building blocks and ask those people and then find out how they did. And most often than not, when people are successful at something, they love to share their, their failures and they love to share their successes. And therefore, you'll probably learn how to do it yourself or find the right people to guide you along to get to where you want to be. So that's, uh, that's one thing that I recommend everybody to do, because I'm sure everybody has something that they, they truly want to do or scared of pursuing or not knowing something enough to actually take action. So go and ask those people, find those people that can help you out. The second thing is mind feeding, something that you have to do all the time. And that's something I've done every single day for at least at least 20 to 30 minutes a day, if not more. And when I was talking about um, being able to add some new stuff to the stuff that you already have a base, well, you can't add new stuff if you don't fill your stuff with, with your head with new stuff, which is that mind feeding. So I mind feed with a whole bunch of different aspects of things that I enjoy from stand-up comedians to different industries to sports, whatever it is, I kind of listen to. And that's why I, I love listening to podcasts because the, the, the topics are so wide. So all of a sudden, if you talk about bees, I know something about bees. If you talk about music, I know something about music. If you talk about something about uh, medicine, I know a little bit about that. So I'm not completely caught off guard. Plus, when you mind feed all the time, your brain is now tuned into that frequency. So then when stuff is being talked about, all of a sudden, hey, wait, that could be an opportunity because I know a little bit about that. Now I could ask the right people to see if that is feasible, right? So the mind feeding is very important. And one of the best ways to mind feed, at least for myself, that changed my, my life is to listen to things a little bit faster, right? If I was to pick up a book and read that book, a 250 page book takes me about maybe over a month, 20 hours or so spread out throughout a month, two months. I'm a very, very slow reader. So then I go, well, why don't I get an audio book and just listen to it and read it at the same time? Well, that in itself reduces by 20 hours to about nine hours just to listen to it at normal speed. What if I crank that up to 1.5 times, two times the speed, even three times the speed? Now I could reduce that time to two to three hours per book. 
Now, if I'm listening and reading at the same time, you'll be surprised at how much more you can actually retain. But why stop there? I started applying that to listening to YouTube stuff at 1.5, two times the speed, listening to podcasts at 1.5, two times the speed. And all of a sudden you can get all this mind feeding that stuff done in less and less and less time. And now you can relate to people better. You can talk to people more and all kinds of stuff. What happens is you find people speaking very, very slowly. <laughs> so just, just watch out for Sorry. that. <laughs> No, you're, you're good. <laughs> you're good. So yeah, um, I find that those two things help me out a lot. Um, asking the right people and mind feeding consistently. Brilliant. I think sometimes those two things can come together too, because um, sometimes there's a richness that comes from having conversations with new people that, yeah. that opens up, um, you know, something you never expected before so I think you know you can you can combine those those things as well that's what I love to do and then I love to find people to connect to other people and I get very excited about those kind of things so um and when you so a question about the mind feeding is it um uh, is it always um books I, or? I listen to everything I listen to a lot of interviews talking about uh, brains and mm. how how mental health and all that kind of stuff works we have I, I listen to a lot of different speakers and by understanding how, how the brain works and mental health and all that kind of stuff, I'm able to relate to people better, communicate better, and also be a little bit more aware as to how I'm presenting myself or mm. how I'm saying certain words and all that kind of stuff. So, mm. so. Mm. Absolutely. That uh, empathy in action, isn't it? Empathy. Exactly. And, and plus, sometimes I'm listening to the, the entertainment yeah. Stuff well. Yeah. Keep myself entertained and yeah. uh, have fun and apply some of that stuff into my my business life. So it's yeah. Good. There's a lot of um, research about how we learn when we're having fun, exactly. um, as well. So and I think um, play and joy and having fun is a big part mm. of how we how we stay healthy and alive. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Where you're where you're at? Have you seen? Have you, do you know the cartoon Animaniacs? No, I don't. Oh, uh, it's the, it's like a Warner Brothers thing. Way oh, back okay. when, way back when I was, uh, oh, what was it, in elementary is I think when it was out. But Steven Spielberg was the one that produced that cartoon series, and I remember more stuff about Russian history because of that cartoon series than I remember reading from a textbook. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I think all of I did history in high school. I didn't do it in um, at uni, but. Uh, I love a good historical novel and it's not just English history. I've read stuff about Genghis Khan and like all sorts, but it's almost like I get interested because it's sort of like this quasi fiction. And then I go, Oh, I'm really interested in Genghis Khan. And then I'll go and read something really hardcore and really enjoy it. But I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Had I gone straight to the, the textbook or the heavy Exactly. first yeah so i'm so with you you know ease me in gently and then i'm hooked and i'll read everything <laughs> exactly yeah so if um people wanted to get in touch with you fong about anything that you've talked about today whether that's um writing a book speaker coaching uh real estate coaching anything anything at all how would they do that what's the best way to find you well you can find me on all the social media platforms facebook linkedin uh you'll find me at fong Chua. Mm -hmm. And then also I have my website, fongchua.com. Yep. Uh, you can find my YouTube channel, Your Area TV. And then you can email me at fong, F-O-N-G dot C-H-U-A 
at your area, Y-O-U-R-A-R-E-A dot C-A. <laughs> <laughs> and the C-A is in Canada. We didn't mention that at the start of the episode, did we? Exactly, in, yeah. Is it Edmonton? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So we've been, we've been chatting across the pond today. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, great. So we will put all of those uh, details in the show notes so that um, if anybody's trying to scribble it down frantically, um, know that they are in the show notes. Um, and um, if you would um, send us um, the link so people can have a look at your books and uh, whether it's the business books or a Kate's adventure or, you know, <laughs> happy, happy to pass that on to, uh, uh, to our listeners. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. Excellent. So the, the, the last thing for me to say really is to thank you for, uh, for coming on Building Brand You, for firstly reaching out in the first place and inviting me on your show. Um, and then we've had this great opportunity to continue the conversation, to do a pod swap, as we like to call it here in the yeah. UK, um, and just for being so, so generous and open and I think energising for our listeners and your, your approach to just saying, why not, not what if? I think has been brilliant. Stop saying what if and say why not, I think is a really good mantra out of this interview. So thank you so much for your time and your Great. generosity. Well, thank you once again. I love everything that you're doing right now. Your, your, your content is amazing. I love seeing those interviews that come out and it's an honor to be a part of it. So thank you very much. Thank you, Fong. And listeners, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand New podcast. I'm Kim Hamer, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For all the latest news and special offers, hot tips, and exclusive content, you can also become a member of the Building Brand New Facebook group. Just type Building Brand New into the Facebook search box and request to join. And if you want to unlock your reputation, your results and your impact right away, our new program, The Vice Squad, is now live. You'll find the link to find out more and to register your place in the show notes. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out more, please book in for a free 20-minute coaching call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.